Hi there and welcome to episode 101 of the ADAD. AD, 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 got the name wrong. You interrupt. What, what's the point? Why do I do this? <laughs> You'd think I'd know it wouldn't change after 100 episodes, but but clearly, no, I don't learn. Again, welcome to Leave episode it to Alex. Fuck sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry. Welcome to episode 101 of the ADHD Adults podcast. The second balled up fist of a double fist where we answer your questions. I am, as ever, Fat Jedward. And as usual, I'm joined by Pound Shop Hannibal Lecter, Dr. Alex Connor, and Father Dougal's doppelganger, Mrs. ADHD. <laughs> Hannibal, hi. Hannibal Lecter, I can't even eat people with a nice Chianti anymore, James, because... In fact, James, I'm actually too cool for alcohol. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, my God, James Dean again. And Dougal, hi. Hi. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Short and sweet. Um, I'm not going to ask you how you are. We're going to get straight to the question. Yeah, so, Alex, sweet. far away. Right, let's get straight to it. Question one is from Simon. Definitely looks at social media, and it's a short and sweet one. What does Minnie Mouse's blood taste like? <laughs> James? <laughs> Um, I want to say Mickey Mouse's cum, but that doesn't really work. Oh, no. It so I'm going to say Goofy's cum instead. Oh, I th- it was the cum that I would have changed, not the, the character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we get past seven seconds there? It's uh, yeah, the well, yeah, no. That is incredible time blindness, Sam. <laughs> uh, what is seven? Uh, I should give some <laughs> some background to this, Sam. Is is my four year old wandered into the room the other day? Me? I am. I'm coming to why we've been asked the question. Oh, good one. Sophia came into the uh, into the room the other day, and she said uh, she had a drinking hand. She went, "This looks like Minnie Mouse blood," which chip off the old block. So, what about you, Sam? What what uh, <laughs> what do you think it tastes like? I mean, if if James doesn't know, he would be the one, wouldn't he? I've only tasted my own blood, and I haven't tasted anybody else's, and certainly not a mouse's, let alone a cartoon mouse's. I'm going to say ink. Mm, probably. Does that yes. make oh, sense? What do oh. you reckon? Um, don't know. What I will say is okay. try not to try not to drink or eat your own blood, apart from James, because uh, <laughs> it's it's genuinely toxic. The iron levels in it can make you nauseated and ill. Oh, okay then. Sam, got a question? I have, yeah. This one's from Craig. What are the short and long-term goals for the charity? Who's put that in? <laughs> Me. You have to read it. Out. You have to read it out. It's in your your. Okay, Alex. One for you as the workhorse of the charity. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to read that out because I thought, who who has put that in? It's James put that in, and it's really mean. But it's okay if you put it in. <laughs> yes. Um, everybody knows I owe an awful lot of work for the charity, mainly to Sam that I, I haven't done. I sometimes wake up at three in the morning feeling sick about it. Um, it's, it's, such a, it's such a great... Um, I, my both short and long-term goals are to listen to what James and Sam say as their big <laughs> ideas and ability to manage anything and try and do that because they are genuinely the ones with all the best ideas. What about you? Just to, I suppose, to answer it concisely, we are at the minute writing our strategy for a number of different things, including fundraising strategy targets, including answering the kind of 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 pound question, because everything we do depends on the money that we get. In the first year as a charity, we probably received about 1,000 pounds. Um, that started to increase. But the more we receive in donations, the more we can do. Some of those things might include supporting local face-to-face meetings outside of Discord, paying for venue hire and food and drink and, and insurance. And beyond that, it really does depend on how that strategy develops and how much money we receive. But it is a great question, Craig. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that we've actually got this table to, to talk to uh, the trustees at the next trustee meeting because until now, we haven't really had to think about this because we've had no money. So we haven't, all we've been able to do is is what we can do is provide advice and guidance and, you know, the, um, 
the things that we already do we've we um, all we can comment on really is personally what we've talked about the three of us when we've talked about providing group coaching and and funding individual coaching and like you said funding local groups so that they've got venue hire and stuff like that um but yeah we'll be talking about it soon hopefully we just want to help as many people as possible though that's that's the main thing and and every penny we raise will go towards that it's not going to go to us we don't pay ourselves sorry james i can see that you're bored with me so um <laughs> awkward let's move on have you got a question for us oh no oh. Some, she asked you asked me i can't what? believe it you, you've, you've broken the you've broken the mystique of not asking me a question anyway okay this next question is from sarah who says she's an adhd and lecturer alex have you considered doing ADHD awareness at work courses? Please do one for universities. Once we know how to support colleagues, we can better support students. Alex? I mean, more than considered, haven't we, James? We, we do yeah. do them. And it's harder. To, so I'm, I've worked with Oxford and I've spoken to the head of uh, GP training at, at Cambridge recently and trying to get the senior management of universities to agree to these things is not as easy as it is getting our rank and file academic colleagues who really, really value it. James, you do loads, don't you, outside of universities as well? Yeah, so I've, I've, I've given quite a few talks at, I suppose you call them um, private institutions, organisations, companies, mm. etc. And yeah, so, so we have a course which is ready to go. So if there is anybody that works at a university or a company that is interested in us delivering a talk, probably virtually because of the geographical issues, we effectively do it for the cost of a donation to the charity. Um, uh, we what we really do want to spread the word and and on top of that we are also going to do a kind of a free online course on the website um which summarizes much of what happens in the the, the talks uh, you, do you know i do some some talks al you're aware oh, i do talks. oh your lovely little talks yeah i mean i don't like to talk about them but yeah some no. of the feeling there will end up in something on the website so we yeah we absolutely do do those courses and we would love to help out if possible yeah um alex i think you've got a question I have. I wanted to ask Sam about her talking. Is it Leeds you're doing a talk? Is that uh, employment one or is it something else? No, it's something else. It's on late diagnosis in women. I need to write your, it yet. Your body language is incredible at the thought of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm think if you, made, if you made yourself uh, any smaller, you'd be like a black hole singularity of almost infinite mass. <laughs> very, very much liked it. Okay, <laughs> right. A question from Michelle. I like this one. How hard was accepting? <laughs> nice. Yeah, that is Phil. How hard was accepting Ding. the ADHD diagnosis for you? I'll come to Sam on this one straight away. Oh, I struggled. I still do, to be honest. There are still days where yeah. I think I've made it all up and I don't have it. And there are days that I absolutely accept it and forgive myself for all the things I forget or do wrong or emotionally under or overreact to. It's an ever-changing thing for me and it varies day to day. And now that I'm going for ASD assessment, I'm going through the same things with that too, but I am telling more people now. So I'm talking, I think talking about it more open with people like I do with the charity makes me talk about it more openly at work. So I had a team building day yesterday and um, I mentioned it a couple of times once because the person next to me said, oh, they've put brainstorming on this paperwork and then you're not allowed to stay, say brainstorming now. <laughs> I said, not why? Allowed. She said, because it offends people with ADHD. I said, well, I've got ADHD. It doesn't affect me and that's bullshit. So that was the <laughs> one. And then the other time we were talk I was talking about basically ADHD things that I've done and I said to a group of people, I can't believe I didn't know I was ADHD before now. So I I'm not doing like a big reveal, but I'm talking about it more openly, which is How does it feel? massive. Um, Like fine people don't react which is exactly what I want it's just kind of accepted and that's making me feel better whereas when I was putting it out as a big oh I need to tell you something I've got yeah yeah it was um yeah a bit much what about you Alex oh uh yeah really 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 unbelievably difficult oh no and I, oh no <laughs> And I needed James's help to be more open about it. There, 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 there. Oh, man. I went, it took me about three weeks as well to get to his, uh, to get to his castle because all the villages warned me off. 
<laughs> you're normally getting you're normally getting faster if you're carrying a pitchfork, which you normally are, actually. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. What I will say is that almost never now, though, almost never, apart from when anybody talks about sleep problems, because I sleep like a baby, and it's like some people say, you know, it's actually a sleep disorder. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely brilliant sleep. So yeah, I I was at the opticians yesterday, day before yesterday, something. We don't. And care. they were. Because it's my, in my second language, and they they yeah. they said something, and I I didn't know they were talking to me because I don't pay attention, and they they start then like saying it in really slow German, like like I'm an idiot, and I I had to say in the end, I've got a, a ADHD, and and it would be really helpful if you say my name if you're speaking to me because I don't know who you're talking to, and it isn't because I, I don't speak the language, it's because because of the thing, and I don't have any emotions about that anymore i just say it. it's not my problem anymore mm. yeah. i like the term neurodevelopmental disorder if i'm not comfortable with the person if i don't trust the person and the stigma of the term adhd mm. i use the term neurodevelopmental disorder because it is that's fact james fact i think yeah. everybody knows that i embrace my diagnosis harder ding and faster Ooh. ding than i've ever embraced my wife to be honest Ooh. by the dong Yes, but by the time I actually got the, by the time the psychiatrist said those words, I knew I had it. I had known yeah. for a while, and there was there was there wasn't even a second of threat and identity. Which I remember was, Fuck that. This. Fuck this! I'm telling the world because yeah. it's important. So I'm no setting up a charity and an online magazine and all the fucking things instead of yeah, following exactly. like I did. I find that in no way inspirational or impressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Brilliant. Thank you. What about you, Sam? Have you got a question for us? Yes, I have. This one is from Richard. The correlation with flirtatious behaviour plus minus promiscuity Plus minus getting into disastrous relationships. Discuss. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what about James? Yeah. What do you Ooh. think? Awkward. Um, so, <laughs> so if you if you look at ADHD and sex, as we talked about in the ADHD and sex episode, on average, and again, that's not everybody, we are more likely to engage in risky sexual behaviour. We are more likely to be involved in infidelity. Um, we are more likely to impulsively start and finish relationships, whether they're disastrous or otherwise. And this comes from a number of different things. It comes from impulsivity, if that's something that's present in you. It comes from um, other things that I can't think of right now. So I'll pass it on to Alex. Alex? So I, I, I made a choice not to be promiscuous. No, it a choice. A... It's called your face, mate. <laughs> It, it it was my second choice. I was doing a thing. You did a Sam. I did Sam. a Sam. I did yeah, a Sam. You did. Oh, yes. The, the punchline there was it was my second choice. Ruined it. Thank you, you massive Sam. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new down. So I, I, I find this disastrous relationships, definitely, and all previous relationships, honestly, 100% all of them, my fault. No question about that. Um, you know how people say <laughs> it's not it, it isn't one person the relationship's wrong as <laughs> it actually in this case I was <laughs> dreadful and I think we would all agree on that um, I, I'm, I'm not very flirtatious I don't think or promiscuous it's not, it's not something I ever think about and I've, I generally have female friends and <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this before haven't we Sam that we're really good mates and it's very very like having a shitty little sister <laughs> or big sister I haven't decided yeah, thanks and yeah, I just, I'm not a flirty, but I don't, I never have been. I have had disastrous relationships, but I certainly haven't been. My, num my number, let's just say it's not high. Again, James, by choice. <laughs> my face is choice, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, so I, th I think, yes, yes, the stats say it's much more common impulsively, but I always preferred substance abuse to, or use to, uh, to that impulsive choice. What about you, Sam? Mm, well, I, I'm i not flirty at all and I haven't been in many disastrous relationships, but as we all know, I have been unfaithful in most of my relationships. So promiscuity, I get a tick for that one. Um, one out of three, I guess. 
I think the disastrous relationships, though, thing is an interesting one for me because we get a lot of messages asking if ADHD people are more susceptible to being in an abusive relationship or are mm. more attracted to narcissists. And I don't know the answer to that. I'm certainly not a good judge of character and I can easily be taken in by people, but I'm not sure if that's related to ADHD. I could see that having low self-esteem which a lot of people do might make us a target for people that want to take advantage of that. But I don't, I know I'm straying off topic with the question here, but it's something we get asked a lot. And I don't know what you think. I mean, the, we can answer the first one. Yes. Um, okay. Domestic abuse okay. and domestic abuse from the person with ADHD is higher. Okay. So we do. Um, the second one isn't clear. This, the second one being um, narcissists. But what I will say is we often don't pay attention, which can include paying attention yeah. to the behaviours and activities of our um, of our partners and friends. We can often not realise what the reality of a situation is as well as average. So you could imagine it could be true. Um, the mixture of ADHD and autism being more common makes that a really cloudy area to talk about as well. Okay. Have you got anything to add, James, or would you like to just move on to the next question? I did my bit, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just no. topped it up. There's <laughs> <laughs> not, not a dingy in there. I was trying. Okay. I love the next, I genuinely, genuinely love the next oh, question right. from Joe. Do yeah. you think or know if animals can have ADHD? I'm convinced one of my dogs does. I mean, I know you're supposed to look like each other, but this is taking the piss. <laughs> uh, Sam, considering that our cats are both. Both present the symptoms of neurodivergent disorders. What do you think? We definitely have one cat with ADHD, Pauline, and one cat with ASD, Pam. A hundred percent. This is true. I don't care what either of you say about the science. This is definitely true. Alex? No, impossible for a dog to have ADHD for one reason and one reason cats? only. It's because ADHD is a disorder and dogs are fucking perfect <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way. yeah my dogs are proper mentalists <laughs> she's mm. just just like me and, uh, yeah to, to, to give the answer some level of seriousness <laughs> yeah. um obviously all, all animals will be neurodiverse like humans are neurodiverse their brains will be different and there is some evidence that some animals can show traits of neurodivergent disorders but it's really difficult to get a cat to fill in an asrs or provide <laughs> or provide two domains of its life which there may be a moderate impact so i don't think they're diagnosable but i think it's likely that the traits exist and to, to be fair though you can do a cat scan Oh, oh my god. Hey, oh my god. They, they've definitely shown neuroticism, depression, anxiety oh. in, in most domestic most domestic pets. So I, I could imagine yes, yes, but not in the way we think about it, right? That's that's kind of exactly what James said, I think. Yeah, but just in a stupid accent. Alex, you've got a question to finish <laughs> off part one? I have, and it's from <laughs> I'm gonna do the accent. It says, as ADHD. Do you think it's easier to be in a relationship or have a partner who is also ADHD or neurotypical? Um, well, I'm going, that's such a, such a brilliant question. I've thought about it a lot. Um, Samantha, what do you think? Oh, fuck. We get asked this all the time. And I don't know. I mean, it's a nightmare for us because we both have ADHD, but we can step back and forgive each other for things afterwards. Um because we both have ADHD, but it doesn't stop us getting angry at each other for exactly the things that we both do because we've got ADHD. But, but And it means that we do loads of shit wrong all the time because we all make mistakes. And we both, all, we both make mistakes. We both overreact and underreact and get RSD. There, there's, that, both... there's, that, there's that promiscuity, all of us. There's clearly, there's clearly more than two people with ADHD in this marriage. <laughs> yeah, Steve and Darren are weird, but they're fine. It's only James that's the problem. Oh, yeah, we both get all the things, obviously, which is hard, but ding. Once a bit of time <laughs> has passed, though, we can talk about it. We almost have like a debrief and forgive each other for, for the things that we've done. So it's good in that respect. But I think that having a partner that doesn't have ADHD, but that understands and accepts ADHD would be mm. probably better. I don't know. 
I, I was going to say exactly James, right. it, yes. it, it, it really depends on the partner. I, I think there's like a high, not a hierarchy, but there's probably a, an array of different answers. If you both have ADHD, my God, it can be difficult in some areas, but it can also be simpler. If you have a partner who doesn't have ADHD and genuinely doesn't understand it or make account for it, that's probably more difficult. But if you do have a partner that doesn't have ADHD, but, you know, learns, listens, understands and advocates that I, I imagine would be better than what I've got, which is you. <laughs> oh, I, wa- I, I was we saying really to somebody together. at one of the t- talks actually that the sex thing um, can be a bit easier mm. to talk about because it, it can be hard to talk to somebody without yeah. ADHD and yeah. say, you know, we need to change things up a bit because my brain's getting bored, or do you know, or I've got sensory issues, or I don't like it. But I think it's easier yeah. when you've both got ADHD to talk openly about that. What do you think, Alex? I think you've all hit the nail on the head, really. I, I really exactly that. I think empathy and kindness and communication is not a factor of ADHD. And if you have that in your relationship, you're you've got a great foundation. I think having ADHD is is a shortcut to understanding, but it isn't the only one. People often ask me if you need to have ADHD to be an ADHD coach. And I would say absolutely not. But if you do have it, it gives you some evidence and, and some experience that if you haven't got it, you've got to get from somewhere else. Um, what I will say, though, is I, when I'm with the tribe, <laughs> I know people don't like me saying that, but it feels like when I'm with I when love I was in the London, tribe. I, do, I, I just worry that other people Apparently. will feel by. So it's a tribe that anyone's allowed to enter. That's the thing. That's my uh, uh, feeling about it. When I was in London with the, with the, the fans of the podcast, I felt like I could breathe. Like completely. I felt absolutely unhindered and unmasked, which I never feel like. So I'm well masked up. And I think I have that with, with my wife as well, but b- because she's very, we, we have a really communicative relationship. And so I think that it's a tricky one. I think it's easier. It's a shortcut to empathy, but it's probably not the only way. It's such a lovely question. It is. Any and I- finish off on James. Ding. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, possibly anything to anything to improve it. Um, no, but I, we will we will take that beautiful question and a series of answers as an excuse to take a break, and we'll see you in part two. Bye. No, Alex. Hi. Hi. What's up? Hello, Governor. Welcome back to episode 101 Dalmatians of the ADHD Adults Podcast. Part two of us answering your questions just as a tribute, really, because we absolutely love the community and we're so grateful for you being there. Right, let's crack on straight away with first question of part two from Cal. (laughs) It's, It's a boring list, which I like. Do you agree or disagree that the following are signs or cursed marks that Dracula is, in fact, ADHD? One, overstimulated by bright lights, such as sunlight, and loud noises like baying mobs of villagers. Two, <laughs> is a night owl. Oh, God, I'm not ADHD. Three, constantly loses things, like his lost love. Four, has to have backups of things as a redundancy against losing them, like his many brides. <laughs> Five, likes to hyperfocus on counting grains of sand or rice. Six, knows he will forget what he came into a room for, so keeps repeating it to himself. I want to suck your blood, writes Cal. But so, my own Cal, is, is that what Dracula said? I want to suck your blood? Is, wasn't it, I want to bite your neck? J- James, you knew him. What was? What did Dracula say? He was a good lad, actually. He liked to drink. Um, but he, he was more, to be honest, he was more into the impaling. The, the blood drinking really was kind of mm. activity. Um, yeah. But he, he definitely did have ADHD, I remember at the time. Well, he was, he was, he was bats, wasn't he? Oh no, Jesus oh, Christ! No. They're getting, they're oh. getting worse. I'm going to move on. Sam, you've got a question. On Pat Sessions, congratulations on 100 episodes. There really Thanks, is no sessions. accounting for taste. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, has Alex got any more insights into himself that can top his spaceship driving <laughs> or being James Dean? Alex? What do you mean, like, obviously correct and true insights? Okay. <laughs> I'm Marlon Brando, James Dean. This, I'm saying this while I've got a bright red T-shirt with the word science on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> yeah, just 100% super cool. Um, 
No, in, in a word. Oh, okay. I, my metacognition is simply dreadful. Just that I've, I have a list. I have an actual word list on my computer of phrases that I want to drop in to see if I can annoy James. And one of them, someone sent me, a, sent me one. People write them to me now. Someone sent me a message on Instagram yesterday that said, Alex, congratulations on your nom nom for nomination of the award um, oh. we've got and I and it's clearly so I can use that to annoy James oh, my god thank you yeah. whoever that was you utter having bastard having that list though having that list reflects really badly doesn't it it's, it's, it's not great it does Sorry. James, I guess we have to ask you if you've got one question. At some point, yeah, at some point. Yeah. This is from this is from our lovely Kirsty Murphy or Hi, Murphs Kirstie. or Murphsty, however you want to pronounce it. Do you think a warped or dark sense of humour is ADHD related? I.e., our filters broken, Sam. This is a good question. I, mm. I don't think so because I know people that don't have ADHD but have a dark sense of humour, and I know people with ADHD that have absolutely no sense of humor at all so i'm not sure if the two Hello. related although <laughs> i think the fact that we can sometimes say things without thinking them through probably helps and maybe those of us who get whose brains gets reward from like shocking other people might have a darker sense of humor than those that don't but, but what do you think science wise uh alex james i don't know it's I mean, a really one name <laughs> Yeah, okay, Alex. To, yeah. Go on, Al. Um, there, there, there isn't proper papers on it. We know they know we swear more on average, and they know that people who swear more are more emotionally intelligent. And I, do you know what I actually think? Because I've noticed it as well. But That's I think, <laughs> I think that people who come out with ADHD who go and get diagnosed generally are. You can say privileged if you want, or you could say that there's complexity. To, <laughs> Easy to be complexity. <laughs> complexity to that word, <laughs> to, uh, complexity to to acknowledging who you are and seeking out help, and that is sort of a separate demographic. Considering the vast majority of people are undiagnosed, and I think so, people that uh, identify as ADHD may have a complexity that can also lead itself to a more complex sense of humour. I've I've noticed that as well amongst. Um, the gay community as well when you speak there's there's a, this tendency to think that you can group people who are out as as well all gay people are like that but actually the Ooh. the energy and the effort in a stigma society to come out lend you know is 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 a character thing isn't it it's a thing you've got to do so i wonder if it's more about that than about that that we're actually different in that sense sense of humor what about you james Opinion, that fact. I would say opinion is it's probably spread with the same frequency across the general population. I think some of us, some of us probably do have, and and obviously do have warped, dark senses of humour, and impulsivity is part of that. Not knowing mm. exactly what is and isn't appropriate, which can also be <laughs> yeah, a trait, of, a trait of autism. And again, <laughs> many of us do have autistic traits. Mickey Mickey Mouse come, for example, just throwing what out was, one there was nothing. There was nothing inappropriate about that. And remember, technically it was Goofy's come, not Mickey Mouse's <laughs> now. <laughs> I stand corrected. Apologies. Exactly. So I, th I think, yeah, definitely some of us do and some of us don't. Yeah. Uh, I've met some ridiculously unfunny people with ADHD. Um, and, I've all, and I've also met, you know, loads who absolutely fucking get our sense of humour. And I think that's brilliant. Sam, you got a question? Um, yes. This is from, um, <laughs> oh, it's from Dubber Rumples, Robin. If Alex falls over in a forest and his stupidly large and spherical bonce <laughs> hits the floor, does it make a sound? <laughs> does it, Alex? Because you'd be there to hear it, so you'd know. This is very much bullying in the workplace, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, because I've got all the I've got the soundproof room in the forest, haven't I? You know, <laughs> padded, the, the escape-proof room. <laughs> yes, mean. Um, right, I'm going straight to uh, okay. last question before Ding. the break. Are you ready? This is one from George. Is cereal soup? Sound? No. <laughs> Good. Yes, God. George. Cereal basically is soup with croutons in, so it's absolutely fine <gasps> to eat cereal for your lunch, tea, dinner, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to say yes. James? 
I mean, it doesn't make it soup. I, I eat cereal yeah, whenever I can. It's one of my favourite things. But no, it clearly is not soup. Same this is soup. Thing. This is soup gate or cereal gate, for God's sake. That's ridiculous. Alex? Shredded wheat and Weetabix are not. Muesli is Rice Krispies <laughs> and croutons. I mean, that's uh, that's well thought out, Alex, to <laughs> yeah. be fair. Is this, is, this something, is this something you've been asked before or put some thought into? I once made uh, vanilla ice cream and put it in the microwave for so long it was a vanilla soup. It's amazing. Oh, I used to do that with ice cream all the time, wait mm. till it melts and then ate it like a soup. Yeah, but it was steaming, stokers. steaming hot. Oh. It's lovely. <laughs> On that bombshell, that was part two. <laughs> Hot milk like James <laughs> has in his cereal, fucking pouse. Oh, Sorry, lovely. carry yeah. on. Cereal. Absolutely lovely. Horrible. Rice Krispies with hot milk, lovely. Yeah. Oh. Let's just take a break. See you in part yeah, three. Good lord. Welcome back to episode room 101 of the ADHD Adults podcast, where we're answering your questions. And this is part three. We have a question here from Neil, who says, why do you think our self-talk slash Alex in a monologue is so toxic? James? Uh, I, I, I think it comes that it, yeah, it really is, Neil. Um, and... I think most people, again, probably know that my inner monologue isn't necessarily positive most of the time. Mm -hmm. And that comes for me from low self-esteem. It comes from years of not fitting in, of square pegging, ding, of, of just being other, of feeling other to everybody else from, from when I was kind of 12 years old and desperately wanting to be someone else and blaming myself for not being someone else. So I think the reason for my negative inner monologue is that just utter utter lack of self-esteem sam um yeah it's a good one i mean i hate myself as well but i don't know if this is we all do mm, everyone yeah, that has adhd i've <laughs> oh, talked before awkward. about how <laughs> how i've built this shell around me to protect me and it's built entirely on the belief that i'm completely shit and useless and worthless and it protects me because no one could ever say anything that could hurt me more than i already hurt myself um so i i don't know if that's the same with everybody with adhd but what you said actually makes sense james that we've got low self-esteem because we are different and so we i don't know i don't know though does everybody do that alex do you it's a really good question, and, and yes, and the, so evidence based, yes, on average, ADHD right. people have this much more than other people. We have a negative lens on everything, negative focus, catastrophization, and so on. What we don't know from the science perspective, pointing at my nipples then, because it says science on them, <laughs> uh, is what we don't know is, is this biological through the neurodevelopmental problem, or is it learned from feeling like a, a square peg, as James says, pegging wrongly <laughs> and you know being told we don't we're not in the neurotypical world in the right way or is it an actual biological thing honestly i i, I think it's a bit of both i do think there is a biological element to it i'm not going to answer that question properly though i want to answer the question you didn't ask which isn't the point of this but that's what <laughs> can we do about it and because it isn't a fix that isn't that is changeable it isn't completely fixable but it is changeable oh that's scary though it's very scary, but to a certain degree, a negative filter is a choice. Just like you said, Sam, because it's a, cho a protective choice. Yeah, it isn't actually as healthy as as a, a more positive filter. And I know a completely positive filter is literally impossible for us, but a more positive filter. And it comes with practice. And that's what I'd urge, really. I'd urge you just to ask yourself in a couple of areas that are, you know, where the consequences of being good at something aren't terrible. So, you know, you're good at, uh, you're incredibly experienced at pole, for example. Mm -hmm. I do, and that's the only compliment, actually, that I will take, that I'm strong. And I will say to people, I'm strong. Yeah. And, so but I've got that one a, thing. There's always that a certain frisson of joke when you say it, even though I don't mean it as a joke. You kind of make it almost... No, no, I am strong you, for the you first are, time in yeah, my life. freaky. But... So that, that's a great example. So practice saying that and see if there's other things where there aren't 
really frightening <laughs> stop so you are honestly our channel four show the uncoachables is going to be an absolute <laughs> there's a brilliant new paper in nature medicine read it if you can get through the abstract from like unbelievable came out two days ago on um what they call the the nf that's really bad then npf that's it the neuro <laughs> psychopathological factor they've merged behavioral psychology genetics and these brain scans fmris to show that all of the adhd and the comorbidities may have a common new biological brain uh grounding to them and so we, we it's it's incredible and so what what i'm saying is if you've got any of these things you can you can just just start to choose a few safe ones and make some of those positive changes. Sorry about that. Bit of a rant. You, you've now ruined the whole square pegging gag in my talk by saying that there is a, a shared biological pathway for the coexisting <laughs> conditions of ADHD. Thanks for that, Al. Oh, yeah. Did you answer that, James? Um, yeah, yeah he was the first, first one to answer it. Oh, yeah. okay, he, just said, he just said no. It's weird. Right. Um, Alex, have you got a question for us? Well, that's a very good question. I have it quite a long one, I'm afraid. Uh, boring voice, activate. Question from Jenny. I have a question about ADHD and incontinence. Is there a proven link? As a recently diagnosed 37-year-old adult, it's something I've been pondering about. I've struggled with incontinence my whole life, but it's not physical. There are lots of tests and scans and there's no physical problem. As a child, they prescribed pills that desensitized the signal from my brain to my bladder, which really helped. As an adult, I still struggle a lot with it, especially latchkey incontinence. I'm also forgetting to pee for so long that it's only when I'm completely bursting that the signal seems to get through to my brain. It's a crazy mad dash to the toilet. The, the signals also get confused sometimes when I feel I'm so bursting I could cry. And then when I get there, the most meager, pathetic amount comes out. Other days I'm hypersensitive and feel I'm up and down to the toilet a million times a day. Could this mismatch between my brain and my bladder be an ADHD thing? Is there any literature on it? It is the 100th episode, 101th. Um, a good place to bring some toilet humour into the podcast. Go on, take the piss, smiley face. Great mm -hmm. question. Uh, James, hospital pass to you. Um, in children, definitely. So if you look in children with ADHD, there's a, a variety of different continence-related issues, including bedwetting and incontinence. There is far less evidence in adults scientifically. However, uh, a non-scientific study or survey of 140 people had incontinence listed as the 135th most reported symptom. Um, so clearly there are some people, adults, this is adults with ADHD, who do report issues with continence. I, I think it's unlikely that it's very common. And mm. I think you're right. It absolutely could be due to the way in which the brain um, controls one of the sphincters in the bladder, um, which is under involuntary control and, and possibly also the voluntary control element as well, because that would involve, I imagine, the motor cortex, Al, wouldn't it? So, yeah, you can see biologically how it could happen, and, and it certainly does in some people. Alex? I've always felt real shame about the fact that I would need a wee more often than everyone else. Um, and I, I always, I've started to think that sometimes it's because I don't like being where I am and I need to get away for a bit. So I use yeah. that as an excuse. And the other thing is, I think that I, if I notice it, I can't think about anything else. Yeah. And, and, but that's, but it, it's not incontinence. Um, I know it's more about focusing on it. So I, I think, I mean, exactly what James said for once, I don't know where he's probably just Googled it. Fuck knows. Sam? Yeah, it's it's not something that I've had, but then I've got a fucked up bladder. I have to really, really push to get any piss out, to be honest. Just um, fist it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I could absolutely see this being a problem, especially if you're in hyperfocus. And like you said, I go to the toilet really often because sometimes I can't work out whether I actually need the toilet or not. Yeah. And once I start thinking about it, I'm like, well, I'll just go and try. I don't know. And especially before I go to bed, I have to go to the toilet about 10 times just to make sure because I'm not quite sure whether I need one or not, which is yeah. it's not incontinence again. We're answering different questions. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> James, do you have a question? No, I do have a Oh no! Go on, Alex. Go on. Go on. I was just going to do a joke where I said, "James, I guess we have to ask you a question because you know it's, it clearly says it's my turn, Sam." But, I know, know, yeah, but you've taken yeah. too long, so I went in. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's a good one. Anyway, collectively, fuck off. Um, this question. 
This question is from anonymous, not the hackers, I assume. Um, I'm still looking. I'm still looking for the right dosage uh, of medication. Taking concerta and atomoxetin, and I'm struggling as I have side effects, including constipation and trouble sleeping. How long did it take for you to get to the right treatment? Also, what should I expect to change with medication? I feel more mentally stable, calmer, and less hyperactive on the inside. But in terms of organization, attention, Alex, stop doing that, and procrastinating. I can't really see a difference. Sometimes I think maybe I would be better off off medication. Any advice, please, Alex? The first thing to say is it is a personal decision and nobody should judge you either way. If you choose not to take the medication, just all of us respect that fully as much as we respect people who make the choice to take it. The second thing is that... um, feeling that calmness and less so what medication for adhd does is it reduces those core symptoms that the the core ones of hyperactivity impulsivity and um uh inattentiveness <laughs> amazing i started thinking about something else uh-huh. it? it's in what? the fucking name alex i mean yeah i mean how many times have i said that in my life the, the what it doesn't do is deal with the emotional things the things that you've you've developed throughout your life to cope with them. And there's lots of stuff it it, it simply won't do. And it doesn't make you a robot. It doesn't get rid of them completely. What I will say, and I'm pretty sure James will say this as well, is that you saying you can't really see a difference. Hmm. Maybe a you thing, not a medication thing, because all of us, I think, have recognised that unless we write it down, we don't realise what we've got done. Metacognition problems. And when I realise after I've taken the medication... So essentially, I take a day off often, and I'm a fucking hot mess. It's unbelievable. I'm like, oh, God, this must be a proper crash because of withdrawal <laughs> symptoms. And then I think, no, no, it isn't. This is why I went to a doctor in the first place. This was, this is the real me. It's a superpower. Um, James, <laughs> is that, would, do you agree? What, what you thought? Uh, yeah, so what I would, the first thing I would say to Anonymous is, if you feel more mentally stable, calmer, and less hyperactive... <laughs> Um, it, they are working to some extent. Uh, fabulous Dr. Nick, rocking horse shit that he is, um, said, and I think this is the perfect way of describing meds, they just make you a bit more functional. They're not a cure. They're not no. a magic bullet. In terms of, of looking for the right dosage and how long that normally takes, during the titration process, if after six weeks you have not seen any benefit on a medication, then you should be offered an alternative. That's the nice guidelines on titration. So if after six weeks of medication, you've had no benefit, you should be offered an alternative. That doesn't always happen. In my case, the first meds I was on, as as soon as I got up to 40 milligrams of Elvance, that was the medication for me. I didn't have to go through several medications, but there is, and we'll talk about this in the next episode, there are some differences between men and women in terms of which medications tend to work, and we are all individual. Sam? Yeah, um, I it took me about it's taken me about six months to agree on the right dose for me, and I was lucky in that it's the first medication I've tried. Um, but I would just say that I mean I don't know how long this person has given it so far, but the advice that you both given is great. But also, um, yeah, give it give it time and weigh up the side effects and whether the benefits that you've got outweigh them because that's what titration is all about see if the side effects settle down and if they do and you can cope with them and the benefits outweigh them then you know stick with it but it's entirely up to you alex i just thought i'd say some something evidence-based about the side effects Please these do, specific yeah. ones if that's right so one for sleep it, it is a known thing and one thing you can do is just look at your sleep hygiene which is kind of the big five of go to bed at the same time and try and wake up at the same time cool room dark room alcohol is not your best friend caffeine's not your best friend um, and no screens that's six um and for the constipation thing that's really common um people on prozac get that and people on lots of meds get that and it's because a lot of serotonin which which the drug you're on and prozac and all these uh target is I mean, there's so much serotonin activity in the gut system. And so really a bit more fiber in your diet. So eating beans and leafy green veg, um, try, set a note to, to be more hydrated, eight cups of water, blah, blah, blah. And over the counter remedies for constipation relief. I can't remember any of their names, but Senecot, Lactulose. 
I, it's not that I've taken opioids for twenty years and sometimes <laughs> yeah, get yeah. constipated. Exactly. Yeah. So, so th- those are those are the the evidence based tips. Boring, but I'm hopefully helpful. Yeah, and, and maybe it, take your meds early as well. Yeah, and if you if, and if you're an accountant, work it out with a pencil. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, I I have to do exactly that so I sleep. Yeah, as soon as I wake than up. I already did because I'm got ADHD. Yeah. <sighs> Show off. <laughs> okay, this next question is from Sarah. Jake, hang on, is that right? Yes, James, can you? Oh, James, can you please give three positive traits <gasps> each for Mrs. ADHD and Alex without making a joke or following up with an insult, laughing, oh, yes. crying face? Just think it'll be funny to see if you yeah. can spontaneously combust. It's, I've got to I mean, it's, on the thought. Uh, it's a great question, and the answer is no, I can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. In, all seriousness, in all seriousness, it's easier to do Sam ding. And I would say that I would say that Sam is the kindest person I've ever met. That Sam is the most uh, caring person I've ever met, and she has too much empathy, don't you, Sam? <laughs> yeah. And for, <laughs> for Alex. For Alex, Hi. what I would say, this is obviously going to be hard, and it might take 20 minutes ding. for me to think of something. Ding. Yes. Double ding. But um, his commitment to giving up alcohol, I think, is commendable. I'm very, very proud that he's done that. This is weird. His, his, his bravery at leaving yeah. academia, which was the only thing – oh, no, I can't. His bravery at leaving academia, which he was very good at and had carved a niche that very few people could fill to, to move into working mm. in this field – is also commendable and he is one of my oldest and probably my best friend and i pick my friends very wisely fucking hell that was awful i hated every second of that. <laughs> for james it's tall hair yeah uh married to sam vampire yeah yeah <laughs> i uh, didn't like that no, I it's didn't. It was horrible, either. wasn't it? Yeah. It was horrible. It's, Are you going to ask a again. question, Alex? I am, yeah. I'm going to ask one from Kath. It says, I've been diagnosed by an NHS psychiatrist in Scotland, but told that once I've had an ECG that shows I can take meds, I'll just be prescribed meds by my GP who will manage titration. Can this be right? I thought we were supposed to be under the care of psychiatry until titration is complete. My GP knows fuck all about ADHD. I'm really worried about meds in general, and this is making me really anxious. That's such a good question. Um, James, do you want to take the first bit or, or me? You Ooh, hospital past me. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is so, so, what, so what I would say is that in the vast, 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 vast majority of cases, GPs will not manage titration because they are not experts in these medications. If... Um, like Dr. Nick, you are lucky enough to have a GP who's also a psychiatrist. I guess it is possible if they are a psychiatrist who can titrate that that GP might be able to do that. But my understanding is that that would be so far away from the norm um, as to really to not be expected. I think it would be very odd post-ECG when you're ready for titration to say, right, your GP is going to do this. It's not something that I'm aware is in the NICE guidelines. Al? Yeah, it's very, very surprising. There's nothing stopping a GP from doing it. It, it, it is allowed. And, and I would add that no no drugs are safe. No medication is safe. ADHD stimulants are particularly well tolerated if you keep an eye on the side effects and pretty effective for most psychiatric medicines. So I would, from if it was me personally or my kids, I would rather that than the ones that say n- not doing it. But I would, I, I find it uncomfortable if that's the case, really uncomfortable. And I would, I would just check back in with your psychiatrist on that one. Mm. Because if the GP main, sorry, prescribing a stable dose once you, you've agreed with your psychiatric team. And, and the best people for that, in my experience, are the mental health nursing team. They're fantastic at getting you on a stable dose because they, you know, they actually speak to you like a human. Um, and then pass it over to the GP to, to for sustained prescription. It's surprising. That's all I will say. That is mm. surprises me. It is surprising. But if mm. they monitor the side effects and benefits as the prescribing nurse would do, as long as they go about it the same way, yeah, it should be okay. Surely, I think so. Yeah, 
And if not, just ask to be referred back if you're not happy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Right. Well, guys, you've got time for one last question. Before we ask it, I just want to thank everybody that sent their questions. And this yeah, has been a lot of fun, so actually, yeah. hasn't it? It has, yeah. yeah. And, and the final question, which I think really cuts to, cuts to the core of, of what we do in this podcast, is from Laurel. And it says, when can Sam have editorial rights, please? <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. I mean, ne never, never is an answer. When health freezes over is also a possible yeah. answer. Alex? We have we have talked about me doing one once, but mm, probably not wise. That, that was episode one hundred and one of the ADHD Alex, <laughs> and it was. <laughs> 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 yeah, not answering that because it'll be you know okay, fair enough. awkward. Come on, you think we're giving Yoko more power? Bloody <laughs> hell, Jesus! Have a word. <laughs> that was episode 101 of the ADHD Adults, and it was the second of our double header where Mr. we celebrated not stopping doing something we enjoy a hundred times by answering your questions. Thank you to everyone who has ever listened, to everyone who has ever asked a question to uh, our, as James is obsessed with metrics, and you'll like these episodes, we'll do them again. Um, I, I just read out what you wrote and it was nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners because James is obsessed with metrics. Thank you to anybody who's liked these episodes, or even if you didn't, because it still goes on the metrics. If you like that nonsense and the normal kind of nonsense and want to get involved, please contact us at the ADHD adults on Discord, Instagram, Twitter, while it's still, you know, a proper bin fire. And have, I've, ju uh, I've just I've just noticed we've got the wrong name on the screen for for, for YouTube. So after like changing the name six months ago, it says at ADHD Adult UK in the top right hand corner. I've just, <laughs> fuck me. He's <laughs> done that again. Yeah. I mean, that's not even a thing anymore, is it? No, it's not. It's not. It's Very not stupid. a username. Amazing. That's incredible. Perfect. Mm. Bye, all. Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs>